Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to The Love of Acting. I spent my morning watching uh, our next uh, uh, guest. I'm sure you've recognized her, Daphne Maxwell-Reed. You may know her as Aunt Viv on uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We'll get into that uh, later. But she's had a marvelous career. And uh, I, I have to tell you, Daphne, when in the last two hours when I was listening to you, it was very therapeutic for me because uh, yesterday was a really hard day and I couldn't stop watching television. And we'll to that as well but from the way you talk and the way you present yourself and the wisdom that comes off uh i really wanted to talk to you so you can put some things into perspective for me because yesterday was a really difficult day so can you please use your wisdom and your eloquence to put things into perspective of what happened yesterday because when i saw the people uh with not the flags in the United States, uh, but the flags that have Trump's name on it. When I saw those people storming the Capitol and I saw the violence and I saw that, <clears throat> it made me get in, in shock uh, and horror. And it made me really, really sad to see the whole thing uh, occur. And also a recurring thought going through my mind of what would have happened if they were black? What would have happened if they were not white people would police have treated them the same way and then i became really angry so the whole day i i kept on being on this you know highs and lows of emotion and i couldn't stop watching and processing so you being an activist uh, and we'll get into some of the things that you have done before in your life uh what was it like for you to watch what happened yesterday i was not surprised um this has been coming for a long time cool. words have an effect on people and uh the words that have been spoken out of the mouth of the 45th president have been horrendous for four years and for years before that when he was in new york city mm -hmm. i knew this man 20 years ago yeah. I was appalled that people were swayed into voting for him as a president of the United States. So if we start there, mm -hmm. I'm not at all surprised at what happened yesterday. He has been wanting this. He is, he's got problems and I refuse to get wrapped up in his problems. He has, brought to fore what people have been feeling and not had permission to say. He gave them permission. He gave them permission to hate out loud. He gave them permission to act on old, tired, unsubstantiated racism. Mm -hmm that should not even exist at this point. But it, br it brought it out to the forefront. Yeah. And now we have to deal with it so we don't tuck it back under mm -hmm. and pretend that it's not there systemically. Mm -hmm. This showed what America is like. We have seen this all our lives, but we have not accepted it as really happening. No, can't be. We've come too far for that. No, we haven't. Mm -hmm. 
because we haven't brought it out into the open and dealt with it. We have to deal with it. And dealing with it is finding the humanity in human beings. And if you act without humanity, without care, which is something that he is really adept at doing, you, you base your compass on power, on money. It has nothing to do with human beings. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be the president of the United States, you're not representing anybody. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Um, yes, if that had been black people yesterday, they'd have all been dead. Mm -hmm. This shows very clearly the white privilege that is rampant, that is supported, that is encouraged yeah. in this country. And it has to stop. Yeah. There's white superiority is should be non-existent. Yeah. Human superiority is what we should deal with. Yeah. Human compassion, human concern, and operating on the basis of actual truths and facts, which this man has no concept of. 13 days is way too long, Yeah, but we have 13 days. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, I, I did I did hear, you know, that uh, that there are resignations within the White House, that people, the cabinet is considering 25th Amendment. Uh, there's not the 25th Amendment. I, I, it's, I don't think it's going to happen. But... They don't have time to do that, and yeah. I don't think uh, the vice president has the balls to do it. After yesterday, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that he may, I don't know. No, no yeah. he's still standing firm on his love yeah. of the man, but deciding to put country in front of his love for the man. I, the, this whole experience and, uh, you know, my background is I came to the United States as a 14 year old kid from the former Soviet Union. So we came as immigrants, uh, refugees, uh, because of um, you know being of Jewish uh, faith and Jewish heritage, and we were persecuted uh, there. So I grew up knowing what it feels like to be different without understanding why people are treating me differently, because we were not this. Uh, it was just, hey, you're a Jew. Okay, what does it mean? And and why, why is that a bad thing? I, I don't understand. So. Um, I, I knew what uh, what being different felt like. So coming to the United States, me being an accepting person and me being an interesting uh, a people inter a person interested in other people uh, made United States even more fascinating because then I can get a chance to talk to all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds. To really? me, yeah. To me, it's 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 a it's the beauty of it and it's the interesting part of it. So I, there is an inherently something built in, which I don't understand of how you can look at somebody and treat them differently because of anything. I, I don't quite get that. It's not a part of my makeup. Systemically. Yes. Our educational system has not included the history of the black people who made America. Right. 
all of these people who are stuck in their hate and superiority mode mm-hmm. are uneducated. That's as, they as, have yeah. no idea about anything except what they were taught, mm-hmm. what their parents were taught, what has been historically recorded. Yeah. They only see one side of America. Mm-hmm. And their lack of exposure is killing us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. It they just have no idea other than what they have been taught. And I think that's the systemic pro- part of the problem that we have. Right. Because it's totally unexposed to reality. It's ignorance. Uh, it's ignorance, it's lack of <clears throat> empathy, lack of understanding, lack of education, and being brought up in an environment where they think that the way that they believe is the right way and is the only way. Um, it's because that's all they know. Right. They don't expose themselves to anything else other than their small clannish environment. And that doesn't make for a very interesting person, but it also doesn't make for a very informed person. No. And when I started analyzing as, as I you know got older, I started analyzing the kids that I grew up with. I grew up with these kids from kindergarten uh, and even before that we were playing together. And then after a little while, some of them started calling me a Jew. Where does that come from? Because you're growing up in the same environment. It comes from their parents. Oh. Home. And that's where all of this is starting. And if you have ignorance uh, in the parentage, then you have ignorance in childhood. And it takes a very strong person to actually get out of that mode. And not very many people are. Well, they yeah. just have to be exposed, and they're not exposing themselves. These people don't travel anywhere but within their own environment, yeah. and they are not exposed to people who are different than they are. They don't grow up with them. They don't work with them. They don't socialize with them. They don't know them. Yeah. How can they not believe what their parents told them? And we, I used to think that you know, with technology comes uh, enlightenment, uh, or at least an opportunity to be enlightened. Uh, and, and I remember specifically uh, thinking about you know North Korea and uh, thinking about the Middle East, where people didn't have access to technology. I remember again being in the Soviet Union, where everything was blocked and you could not have access to information. So I thought with information, more people are going to be open to it. Right now we have access to all information. But unfortunately, what happens is people still find their own echo chamber. They do not believe anything else there is. And now it gets even worse. So it's an interesting social experiment that I've been observing. Well, you're going to continue to observe it if you're going to stay here. And it's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was uh, I was close. I I told my wife uh, and you know you've been married for 38 years I think 38 or 39. Um, uh, we just had our 21 year anniversary, so uh, I still have a long way to go. But <laughs> I I, re- <laughs> I remember telling my wife that uh, listen if uh, if he gets reelected again I'm not going to uh, be here. We're we're gonna move. 
And I started thinking where I have lots of friends and contacts in Canada. So I was uh, thinking of Canada or somewhere else because there is no way that I'm going back to where I came from. That's that's that for sure. That, that's going to happen. Um, so uh, thankfully, even though uh, I still don't understand how you can have so many people vote for him, but thankfully, uh, you know that that part is almost done. So we're staying uh, for now, and then we'll see what happens. Anyway, a glimmer of hope exists. <laughs> yes. And that's that's kind of how it felt. And I remember Van Jones uh, crying on CNN. I was crying along with him um, once we learned that uh, the Joe won of knowing that, hey, decency still exists. And you can talk to your children about being an honest person and be accepting. Though those those were the things that were really important to me, even though, again, I, I'm, I'm a white male. So technically, I shouldn't be talking. but having grown up with uh, the discrimination uh, from early childhood, it made me understand others. And that's- We can I think use she, all the voices that will be heard. Yeah. Speak up. <laughs> which is which is what you did. And one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm in Chicago. So uh, as soon as I saw that you went to Northwestern, I immediately lit, lit up because I thought Northwestern. I love Northwestern. My brother worked for Northwestern. My uh, one of my best friends still works for Northwestern. I want my daughter to go to Northwestern. And then I heard about your experience in Northwestern and I got horrified. Um, many people don't know about what happened to you while you were in Northwestern. Would you mind sharing uh, some of the lowlights? <laughs> um, well, I, I was greeted on campus the first day I was there with who was supposed to be my roommate. Yeah. And I was greeted with a block of the door. And she looked at me and she says, oh, no, 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 I'm not rooming with no niggas. And I looked at her, I said, well, where are they? I, I, mean, I didn't even, I said, this is one ignorant chick. Yeah. Said, okay, bye. And I went and found a room by myself. Yeah. That was my welcome to Northwestern. Oh my God. I said, I'm from New York City, where I grew up with everybody from all over the world. I mean, I was exposed to so many different cultures and religions and, and cultural experiences. I had a, a broad view yeah. of what life was until I got to Northwestern and saw what narrow looks like, what old tradition looked like. And I was a very secure person in myself. I mean, I, I was um, raised as a strong woman. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't raised as a particularly strong black woman because it just didn't come up. Right. Okay, I was black. It had nothing to do with anything in New York. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I got there, I'm going, now, now she is ignorant enough to not want to know who I am. Mm -hmm. Okay, she's got a lot of experiencing to do. And all I can do is pray for her because it really has nothing to do with me personally. Yeah. So I went on about my life and achieved the things that I achieved there. I was in student government when I first got there. 
I had my head held high. I had the security of knowing myself that little things didn't deter me. And um, finally, I guess my sophomore year, I ran for homecoming queen, mm -hmm. not by my choice. My roommates, sweet things that they were, decided to throw my picture in the hat yeah. because I was modeling at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what a homecoming queen was. So I looked in a couple of yearbooks. I said, oh, they go to the football game and they ride on a float. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, whatever. They ain't mm -hmm. never going to get me. So I got interviewed by some panel and then they announced who the five members of the court were going to be before the queen was elected. And they called three names. I'm in the rally and I said, okay, I'm going home. They called my name. I said, oh, now what? And it was about <clears throat> I'd say a week before homecoming. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was dating a um, man who became my first husband, mm -hmm. uh, who was playing football. And he was going to be playing in Pittsburgh that weekend. And I said, oh, I want to go see his game. Mm -hmm. Well, Thursday came and we're preparing for this parade and the election on Friday. And uh, I was informed at the last minute, oh, you need a white gown for the float. I'm going, okay. tomorrow? <laughs> so thank goodness I have the skill to make a white gown. <laughs> and I went down and got some fabric and whipped up a dress. And I had a white gown. And Friday we rode in the parade and got to the spot they had voted all day on Friday and the results were in, but I had been at work on Friday down in Chicago, so I didn't get to vote. I uh, came back from work and asked my roommates, well, guys, did you vote? Oh, man, I forgot. Okay. I said, well, I'm going to Pittsburgh tomorrow. So <laughs> we get up to the the stand where the president is going to crown the homecoming queen and there's a big rally and we're standing there in our white gowns and a name is called. I thought it was the lady next to me. She goes, bam, that's you. I was, what? I was stunned. Yeah. It was inconvenient. I didn't know what it, meant and it really got in my way <laughs> so as i'm standing there being crowned by then president roscoe miller he had a ring of roses that he set on top of my head and very disgustedly said to me i have to hold this here while they take pictures and then he turned around and walked away i was okay now what? Mm -hmm. Well, they were leaving the rally and going somewhere else. I had no information. Somebody in the crowd said, come with me. You're supposed to be at Scott Hall <clears throat> to present uh, the queen at the 
alumni association gathering or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. We got to Scott Hall and we were backstage. There were three girls consoling one little girl who was crying her eyes out because she was not elected. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, do you want this crown? I will give it to you. I got to go. I'm supposed to be in Pittsburgh tomorrow. <laughs> and they just looked at me and sucked their teeth. And each one of them was announced. You could hear her being um, greeted on stage with applause. Mm -hmm. And after four of them, it was time to for the audience to meet the queen. And I walked out and there was dead silence. And I said, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I left <laughs> and I said, this mm -hmm. is not a good experience no. and it does not bring me any joy. Yeah. I went back to my roommates. I said, this is really horrible, but they were so excited. Mm -hmm. Somebody must have called the press because at the football game the next day, um, the jet was there, which is a black, newspaper, uh, a magazine that mm -hmm. is read by most black people in my community. The Amsterdam news from my hometown was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was black press day <laughs> at Northwestern and I was surrounded by all the other black students in the stands on that day. And that's what I remember about being homecoming queen, not about Northwestern. Mm -hmm. They gave me this cup that didn't have my name on it. The year went by in the yearbook. My name is not even listed in the index. And uh, I'm, I'm a bold person. I went to the yearbook office and I said, Madam Editor, why am I not featured in this yearbook? You mm -hmm. had three pages on the last Homecoming Queen. She said, well, it wasn't important this year. I said, I understand. Mm -hmm. And I vowed at that time that Northwestern would never again be important to me. Yeah. So when I left Northwestern, when I graduated, I wrote a letter that said, don't ever ask me for anything. This has yeah. been a horrible experience. I have my degree and I'm out of here. Yeah. And it took, oh, I guess 30 years later, <clears throat> they did a capital campaign and a young man called me in my office in uh, Virginia and said, I'd like to come by and talk to you about Northwestern. I said, oh, go right ahead, come on. And he did. Yeah. He came to my office and he sat there and he knew that I was on television. I was producing movies. I was big mm. deal for them. And he said, and so can we count on you? I said, you can never count on me. Yeah. I promised Northwestern they would never get a dime from me. Yep. He was stunned. He had no idea why I, I said, no. Thank you for visiting. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. <laughs> and that was the end of it for me. I, when my son was applying to college, he said, oh, you and dad went to Northwestern. I, went, I said, no, you will not apply to Northwestern University. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't know, don't do it. <laughs> so it took 40 years yeah. 
And 40 years later, the Black Alumni Association wanted to give me an honor, probably because I was on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And they wanted to give me an honor and uh, they invited me to receive this award. I said, oh, the Black Alumni Association. I'm really impressed that there is one. And um, I went to Chicago, yeah. got my award, and they said, so tell us, tell us about your experience at Northwestern. <laughs> I said, okay, and I did. Yeah. And they said, we had absolutely no idea. I said, yeah. how would you have an idea? They didn't write it down. Yeah. And they uh, immediately called uh, President Shapiro, mm -hmm. And uh, the head of the alumni association said, you owe this woman an apology <laughs> and we'd like you to make that apology. And he did and invited me to crown next year's homecoming queen or something. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> I was still not, it, the bad taste was still in my mouth. Yeah. But I took my son who was a grown man by that time, mm. I said, I want you to see Northwestern. Yeah. I, I told him the stories, which I had never told him before. Mm. He said, I had no idea that you had that experience. I said, nah, you shouldn't have needed to know. <laughs> so that was the end of that. Uh, and uh, my relationship with Northwestern is now, ah, <laughs> I oh, have parts of it that I really am yeah. very close to. We took over the bursar's office while I was there and we celebrated 50 years of the takeover a couple of years ago. Mm. And there is a huge black alumni presence now mm. that I admire mm. and I support. But that's well, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, I know you don't regret anything that happened in your life, so um, it, it's a part of your journey. Uh, yes, I, a very educational part of my journey. Yeah, <laughs> I found out I was black. Congratulations! <laughs> what a um, thing. Yeah, that's. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that, Daphne. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's life, and uh, we we all have. We all have uh, these things that happen to us, but they, you know, it's it's a question of what do you do with it. And uh, in one of your interviews, I loved when you said um, it was a very nice interview. By the way, I'm going to post it right below this because I think uh, people need to listen to it as well. And uh, you and the host were saying, you know, get back up on the horse. And if there is no horse, you just walk. Just walk. <laughs> just walk. I, I love that. Keep moving. Keep it moving. All right, let's let's get into the acting part, which is uh, you know, usually what we talk about on the show because it's the love of acting. Um, where does your love of acting come from? I think um, <clears throat> as a child, my mother said that I always wanted attention. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so no. I was a smiler. I was a cajoler no. um, in high school. I looked at, you know, playing around with acting. In junior high school, 
Uh, I was in junior high school and we had, of course, a school play and I, I wanted to be part of the school play. And at the time they were shooting West Side Story in my neighborhood. So I was watching that kind of thing take place. Mm -hmm. I had also been exposed to plays on Broadway and mm -hmm. at the Lincoln Center, where, which was across the street from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I understood the idea of acting. I didn't have enough examples of black females surviving in that business. So it was never a thought that I would ever be an actress, but gosh, it was fun. Yeah. So in high school, I joined this workshop yeah. on Saturdays called the Group Theater Workshop. Mm -hmm. And it was run by Robert Hooks, who is still a dear friend of mine. The Group Theater Workshop grew up to become the Negro Ensemble Company. Wow, okay. Um, I was in it for about three years while I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated high school and went off to my career at Northwestern. Yeah. And I no more considered acting than, you know, whatever was fun. Yeah. I was in the WAMU show at Northwestern because it was fun. Mm -hmm. I liked doing it but it was not a career path. Um, I got discovered as a model. So mm -hmm. I was doing that, going back and forth between New York and Chicago while I was in school. Yeah. And really enjoyed that because all they asked me to do was smile and then give me a check. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, this is lovely. <laughs> I could do this. But as a career path, nah, nah. No, 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 no. I wasn't disciplined enough to be skinny and watch my weight. And I, yeah. You want me to sit here and smile? I can do that. <laughs> you know? And when you ask me to not come back and don't smile anymore, okay, I'll find something else to do. Mm -hmm. So I never really considered it as a career. But once I graduated from Northwestern with a degree in interior design and architecture, mm -hmm. I really was not willing to go back to school and study more. I was still acting, I mean, uh, modeling. Mm -hmm. So I kept that up in Chicago once I graduated. And when I was uh, registered with this particular agency, um, I was working a lot, enough mm -hmm. to support my family. Uh, and this guy named Robert Conrad came to town to shoot a uh, series called The Duke. Mm -hmm. And she, my agent said, oh, go read for this. And oh, okay, sounds like fun. <laughs> so uh, I went and met Robert and we chatted and we talked about Northwestern. I had mm -hmm. no idea he had a connection to Northwestern. I still don't remember what the connection is, but he decided to call me Queenie. <laughs> I said, okay, nice to meet you. Well, I get back. My agent says the next day, um, well, the script came and your character, you're not in this script. You were not selected. I said, OK. And I went on about my business. The next day she called me. She says, Daphne, I don't know what happened, but they hand wrote you into this script and you're in this show. Going, oh, that was really sweet of them. Yeah. Well, I went. I did my job. I had some training from my former experiences yep. and I had a good time. 
And he put me in that series and I worked in that series in Chicago. And a couple of years later, I decided to go to Los Angeles and leave Chicago. And I called him. I said, I'm in LA, how are you? He says, oh, I'm glad you're here. I have this show that I'm doing called A Man Called Sloan. I got a part for you. I said, okay, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And he introduced me to an agent who became my agent. He hired me. I had already been a member of SAG from doing commercials in uh, Chicago. So I was all prepared, did the job and oh, a, how small the world is. I just remembered the man who did my makeup on that job because I had to age into this old woman. Mm -hmm. The man who had to do my makeup's name was Tommy. I can't remember what Tommy's last name was. He was one of the original Mouseketeers on television. Oh, okay. Tommy was also the man I called when I did my auditions for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Wow. I said, Tommy, I need you for these auditions. He made me up for each audition. And there must have been about five of them. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Cole. And I just made the connection. I knew him from those many years back. It's wow. a small world. The people that touch you continue mm -hmm. to touch you throughout your life. So that's how I got into show business. And then I was in the right place at the right time in Hollywood in the 70s where they were looking for something to integrate with. <laughs> and they, I wasn't too dark. I wasn't too black. So, yeah, let's let's put her in all these things. So I kept getting hired. I was in the right place at the right time and I was prepared. And I had quite a lovely ride you did and um uh we'll we'll come back to glamour in a second because uh i, I want to see if you have the cover we'd love to uh, show it to our audience but about the about fresh friends um you i think uh, they asked you to audition when the show was about to get started but by that time you and your husband uh, second husband already current husband uh, you were in Virginia because you got tired and you were on, you know, three or four shows uh, at that time done and you, okay, I don't want to do this. It's a rapper. I don't think so. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you decided to, uh, again, how, how serious was that ask or was it again, they, it was just a reaching out agent. Okay. Let's, let's get people auditioning. Yeah, it was just yeah, okay. people, get people in. And I want you to go read for this um, new sitcom that they're doing. I'm going sitcom. Okay, that's five day a week work. Uh, <laughs> um, I had been doing film type shows that were shot different than sitcoms, yeah. which is uh, a lot more demanding. Mm -hmm. um, and they said, yeah, it's a young rapper. And I thought, no, thank you. Rap had just started and I was not impressed. <laughs> with rap and yeah. I said this is gonna be silly it's gonna be uh, no uh -uh. so I didn't audition for it and then I saw it on television and I said oh, what a cute show yeah. so I missed that but I was living a life in Virginia having a wonderful time yeah. um, growing as a person 
just having a lovely time at the farm. And they called again to audition for, well, I was doing some other shows, some um, some series that didn't get picked up. I do a pilot uh-huh. and didn't get picked up. And But I had a great time shooting maybe three or four shows with them. And then, well, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. So, okay, I go yeah. back to the farm and play in my garden. Mm-hmm. And um, then I got a call that says, well, they want you to come in and audition for uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I said, oh, really? What part? I mm-hmm. thought maybe a guest star. I said, yeah. no, um, the role of Aunt Vivian. I'm going, there is an Aunt Vivian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I started hearing that, well, uh, she's having problems with her contract or something. Yeah. So oh, I'll be there. And mm-hmm. I went and auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and auditioned. And every time I did a call back, there were 15, 20 women I'd never in my life seen before. <laughs> so oh, they're really searching for an Aunt Vivian. Mm-hmm. And by the third audition, I got to audition with James Avery. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the guy. I mean, he's such a wonderful person. He just. Mm-hmm. It was a joy to work with him and to audition with him. And there must have been a chemistry because I got hired. Yeah. Was, um, I, again, uh, you were shooting in front of a live audience. So I'm, I'm assuming it was a multi-cam with a laugh track, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Multi-camera, live audience. My first shooting before a live audience was the Fresh Prince. And I had been in the business maybe 15, 20 years. Yeah. I'd even done WKRP, which was shot before a live audience, except the two shows that I did, they decided to shoot film style. So I said, okay. (laughs) So I never got to perform before a live audience until the Fresh Prince and I was scared. But once I hit the stage and the scene started, I was very much in the scene and learned how to wait for the laughs. I watched them as we worked and um, I learned about that timing, which is what you need to do when you're doing a sitcom. Yep. And it was a fabulous experience. Yeah. Um, I, again, as an actor, I haven't had a chance to be on a sitcom. Um, This is, you know, when people ask me what what do you want to do as an actor, there are there are two things that I really would love to do, which is Hallmark and a uh, sitcom, because I'm that you know goofy uh, goofy uncle. Uh, that's that's me. I'm I'm Uncle Jesse. Um, <laughs> but so I haven't had a chance to do that. So when we went to LA uh, to uh, you know to uh, visit and uh, be tourists again, um, we went to a taping of A Man with a Plan. So that was my first uh, opportunity to see a multicam and see it from the audience perspective. And we were up with the audience and all the things that I didn't realize were happening were happening because there are people there that are there to entertain you. They eat food, they're telling you, uh, they're not telling you when to laugh, but they're telling you and they're kind of, it's, it's a whole experience and watching the set and watching how everything is done, it was, from an acting perspective, it was highly educational. And from just a person perspective, it was really, really interesting experience. 
good, good, good. It, it's a whole different way of acting. Yeah. Um, it's more like live theater, mm -hmm. uh, which I hadn't done a lot of since high school. <laughs> so um, it was fun. It was really fun. And the way this group came together, mm -hmm. the way they embraced me when I got there was like I had been there the whole time. Yeah. And they knew of my former work. Mm -hmm. They respected me as an actress and they expected that I could do what was demanded of me. Mm -hmm. I was not trying to be the other Aunt Vivian. I couldn't, I didn't have her chops. I didn't have, I couldn't dance. I couldn't sing like that. I mean, she was a presence. Mm -hmm. I was not there to recreate that presence, mm -hmm. but to meld into a family believably. And that's what I hope I brought to the show. You did. Um, again, I, you know, I came in 1989, so I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It was, it was a part of my kind of integration experience into the American, uh, cool. uh, into the, my new American family. So it, it, like many people, you know, my age, it's always going to be a part of, uh, part of me. Um, still love Will, still watch uh, everything that he does. So it's Amazing, yeah. man. and uh, it was interesting. And I know uh, I know how much you cared for uh, for James. Uh, I I had uh, another guest on my show last year who's a wonderful actor, Colton Dunn. Uh, Colton is on Superstore, which unfortunately just uh, you know is just ending. And uh, he's been told many times that he looks like uh, Uncle Phil to the point where he actually started, uh, you know, as a joke and half serious, he started uh, kind of uh, pitching the idea of the young Uncle Phil being a lawyer with him playing Uncle Phil. So, uh, you know, look up uh, Colt, he's wonderful. And he does certainly have a lot of the same uh, qualities that, uh, that James did. That would be fun. Yeah, so uh, let's, let's go to, uh, uh, to Glamour for a second and we'll come back to the show. Uh, can you uh, can you show us uh, the uh, the cover? Oh, how, how do I do this? <laughs> Just show it up to the camera. Oh, let's see. I have to find it. I don't have the actual magazine. Ah. I don't think, but I have a photo of it. Yeah. No. Well, if if you do, uh, otherwise we'll put an we'll put an insert. But uh, I remember you were talking about that uh, when you were doing modeling they didn't want you to do runway they didn't want you to do some of the other stuff because you had freckles I, <laughs> i'm thinking what seriously i mean how yes, how seriously. how bad of an industry is it where if you know you have freckles then you cannot do that because it's considered a blemish i think uh, i always thought freckles were the cutest thing and uh, it just adds to uh it's the personality from being a high fashion model or it did then yeah and so I could never do high fashion. I could do runway, but I walk like a duck. So they, they didn't, and I'm short. I'm only yeah. five, six. I'm not a model statue. <laughs> I, it ain't me. Yeah. But One I could smile and I could do editorial work, which is most of what I did with the editorial work. One of my friends was a model. Uh, she went overseas. Uh, she did modeling here in the States and uh, she got out of the industry because uh, she just, um, you know, she did not have very kind things uh, to say about it. It can be a very stressful 
kind of environment because you are not a person, you are a mannequin and they don't treat you like a person unless you are a supermodel and start demanding things. But they didn't even have supermodels back when I was modeling. They had models and they had people who weren't models. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, just for fun, uh, you know, as, as you're looking for the photo, one of my other friends uh, who's, you know, beautiful uh, woman, she wanted to be a model. So we went to a model search and we drove to Detroit and then, uh, you know, brought the pictures. And because I had nothing better to do and I was just there, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do that too. So, you know, I had some photos taken and, you know, I've never considered myself a model. But just for fun, it was a very interesting experience. But I went into it knowing that, A, I'm not going to get picked. B, I'm doing this because I would rather do something than sit there for four, six hours. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. That's, That's my cute. glamour cover. Such a cute photo. I love it. Yeah. yeah. In a book um, that just came out, Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice memory to have. Supreme Models is the book by my friend uh, Mark, oh, Marcellus Reynolds. Hmm. And uh, I was, he put me in this book. I said, oh, I, I really appreciate that. This yeah. is the cover of the book. I mean, I'm not that model, <laughs> but I'm in the history of black models. So <laughs> that's wonderful, and uh, and well deserved because but, that's because uh, I think you were the first uh, African American woman to be on the cover of uh, Glamour. Of Glamour, yeah, back then in 1969. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it yeah, was a surprise I, to me. I, I had been doing editorials, and this was just another shot that was taken yeah it took maybe 12 minutes sit up on the the window over there okay uh just put on some mascara and some lip gloss pull your hair over to the side okay all right all right and then some guy came in and shot a couple of pictures and walked away and I'm, okay now go back to school okay <laughs> and then sure. i walked by the newsstand in october and that's me <laughs> nobody told you that you were going to be uncovered That's nice. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Had no idea. Well, that's that's a great surprise. Um, going back, uh, going back to the show again. I know there's been you know lots of documentaries. There's been a lot of uh, behind the scenes. We'll come back to the reunion in just a second. But uh, is there anything that uh, that you can recall that you know people would not know of uh, kind of what happened in the show or behind the scenes that may not have been mentioned? Well, I remember fondly dancing down the halls with James Avery going to the set. I remember sitting on the couch in the living room with the rest of the cast and having very erudite discussions about philosophy and history and just sharing books read, sharing ideas and, and having James preside over black history lessons. Mm -hmm. He was quite the historian and the collector and we all sat there and learned something 
every time we exchanged ideas. Mm-hmm. And it was a forum that I really, really valued. Yeah. So also getting ready to perform on Friday nights, we would mm-hmm. all meet in Will's room where music, of course, was always blasting. And um, we would dance, just get our energy up, pray, Mm -hmm. do a team rah-rah, and head on down the hall. It was quite invigorating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it got us all in the right place that we needed for energy. And it was also a lot of fun. We would meet the guest stars back there and have time to chat with them and always the crew was part of everything that we did because they were wonderful wonderful people that we really embraced and were friends with and it was a lovely place to work mm-hmm. one thing that didn't come out in the um reunion that people might want to know mm-hmm. is will's generosity mm-hmm. our fifth season yes our fifth season he gathered us at the beginning of the year and says i'm giving each of you a budget of whatever money that was mm-hmm. you get to design your dressing rooms to your own personal taste have at it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a blast and the ideas that I mean, Karen's room, I think, was painted hot pink, and it had <laughs> it was wild. James had this moody jazz thing going on in his room. Oh, it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Nice. And another thing um, that uh, is very special to me is this watch. That he gave us on our last day. He gave us each a watch, and I haven't taken it off, or I haven't not worn it in 27 years. 27 years, yeah. And that's why I had it cleaned once, and it was gone for about two weeks. But I wear it every day, and I think about my experience with the Fresh Prince. That's beautiful. Um, I know, uh, again, at least I've heard that uh, you've all stayed in touch and uh, you know uh, uh, yeah who who have you been i guess the closest with uh, since that time i think i've had more interaction with tatiana and karen Mm -hmm. and alfonso than anybody else we get to see joe every once in a while it's always a thrill to see him. He's just such a great character. And of course, I was very close friends with James. We used to travel together as families, his wife and he and my husband and I. And um, that was the closest. Yeah, it's, uh, he went way too early, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay, moving, moving off of that. Um, how was the reunion? Uh, what what was that like for you? Ah, it was the most exciting thing that happened last year. Yeah. It made last year tolerable. <laughs> it yeah. was 
the first time that all of us had been together in one place at the same time since we left that same set mm -hmm. 27 years earlier. And um, to be invited to be a part of a reunion mm -hmm. was a thrill. It really was a wonderful, a wonderful warm hug that we all needed last year with all of the isolation that we had to endure. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was also, I was proud of the way it was produced. I was proud of the way of the thought that was put into it. We were all sworn to secrecy that we were even doing it. Yep. We were not to engage in any kind of reunionizing before we met each other on set. So we each were put up in a different hotel. Wow. And we had to be isolated uh, for a few days because of COVID and we were tested and yeah. he made such safety precautions. It was just a remarkable thing to accomplish. Um, and we were actually all showing up on the set at the same time on camera. That's wonderful. So it would, the surprise elements were were the thrill of doing it with Will. His company really had their arms around how to make a great piece of programming. Yeah. And our director, Ricky, was just, she was fabulous. We really did some wonderful things. Not everything ended up in the show, but it sure. ended up in our memories. So we, uh, we really had a blast. And since you mentioned that, I, I would be uh, I would be a terrible interviewer if I didn't ask you what were some of the things that did not end up, uh, you know, in the show. Oh, just some of the stories that we told and some of the outlandish dancing that we did. <laughs> so. that, would, that would be great to see. I would love to see it. Didn't make the cut. Unfortunately, perfect. Yeah, it's um, that that show will will always have um, uh, a special place in so many people's uh, so many people's hearts. It's uh, it's it was great. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, I I really really appreciate uh, you coming on because uh, again, what happened yesterday and uh, kind of um, I woke up still with the after effects and then i spent two hours you know watching you and you have uh you have what i would describe as the regal quality uh it's it's that it's that really wise eloquent patient uh type of uh, approach into all of your answers and i thought what 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 a blessing that i have a chance to speak to you you know today in the morning uh, and I knew we'd get to uh, Fresh Prince and we get to other things, but I really wanted to uh, to seek your counsel and I feel much better after it. Thank you so much. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to join you. And it's my good luck with the rest of your acting career. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Keep, I, at I, Keep at it.
Yeah, I'll, I'll keep uh, walking or writing or doing anything I can to continue moving forward. Wonderful. And uh, thanks to everybody for joining us in another episode of The Love of Acting. This is our season two, episode three. And uh, Daphne, you're a, a guest 137. So uh, that's that's the, we'll have that as the lucky number. Thank you. Yes, everybody. I'll play that number today. <laughs> Sounds good. If, if you win, I'll be very happy to hear. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.